Thanks for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, hello. Uh, greetings from my study in Bedford. Uh, for those of you who have not had a chance to meet me yet, my name's Phil Wilthew and I live in Bedford. I'm part of the King's Arms Church and it's been uh, great over the past few years getting to know uh, Graham and Barney in your church and uh, numbers of others that I've had the, the chance to meet. And my uh, plan was to try and be with you guys uh, in this next little window of time. But of course, as we've all found, we're on lockdown and all our best laid plans are having to go out the window. So uh, Barney just asked if I would spend a little bit of time sharing some thoughts with you, uh, share a quick message from the Word of God uh, that you guys can watch. And so I hope this is a, a blessing to you. But uh, let me also just send you my, my greetings and prayers from our church to yours. I pray that you are keeping safe in your homes and that you are being protected by the Lord. And for those of you that are working on the front line of caring for others, whether you're uh, in the NHS or you're uh, doing people's bins and streets, whether you're a social worker, uh, whether you're working in supermarkets or shops, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. We so appreciate the way that you're serving our communities right now and our prayers are very much uh, with you. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into the word of God together. So Father, I just thank you so much that in a season of uncertainty, you are our rock you are our peace. You're our place of refuge. I thank you that you say that the righteous run to you and they're saved and that our feet are on firm ground that can never be shaken. And Lord, we do believe that the best days of the church are going to be in the days ahead, that in the midst of chaos and panic all around us, this is our moment to shine. This is our moment to uh, take our place in being the biggest hope bringers and carriers in our communities. And Father, I pray for each one of us as we hear this message. Will you come and meet us, Holy Spirit? Thank you that you're everywhere. You're as much in our homes and living rooms as you are in a church building on a Sunday morning. And so we say, come Holy Spirit and do your work. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to share just a few uh, thoughts from the Word of God. And this message is entitled Victory in the Wilderness. And this message actually was written uh, a few years ago, uh, born out of some of my own experience. And I guess the opening thought is this, is that the, the question is not will we go through tough times, but what will we do when tough times hit? Uh, we are all at some point or other, we all are currently walking through a tough season as a nation. And so how we navigate these moments as Christians, as believers, is absolutely critical. And I, I remember my daughter when she got her first wobbly tooth and she was, bless her, she was uh, just three years old, I think. And she was in the back of the car and she was crying and she was like, Daddy, I've got a wobbly tooth. And we're like, oh, it's okay, it'll come out soon. And, and don't worry, all of our teeth came out as well. And then you can see this dawning look of horror on Lauren's face. And she suddenly said, what you mean? All of my teeth are going to fall out. And then she burst into tears. 
as this dawning revelation that there were tough times ahead for her. Bless her little heart. As a three-year-old, she was anticipating losing all her teeth. And of course, we reassured her that they will grow back and they'll grow back even stronger. We were all hit tough times. We'll hit tough moments in our life. And how we navigate those is absolutely critical. And Jesus, of course, said in this life, you will have many troubles. And how many of you have discovered that Jesus was not kidding? In this life, you will have many troubles. And, you know, I, I remember a few years ago, Carol and I, uh, we were going through a very, very tough season. And it started about five years ago. I remember uh, one Tuesday, I was uh, walking the dog like I normally would. I was out praying in our neighborhood. I came back home I came back just as Carol, my wife, was receiving a phone call from her brother. And I could tell instantly that this was one of those bad news phone calls. And uh, she handed me the phone in absolute distress. And she said, my dad has killed himself. And her brother was on the phone with the, the terrible and tragic news that her father um, had ended his own life. And... She collapsed on the floor, uh, we wept, we were in shock, and we just held each other and we prayed. We prayed, we didn't know what else to do. In the midst of disaster, we prayed, and we prayed that the kingdom of God would break in in a moment that was probably the toughest of our life. And in the, the days kind of following that encounter, I would say we had probably three years of incredibly tough valleys to walk through and there were the valleys of grief if you've ever walked through uh, grief you'll know that that is an incredibly tough thing to walk through and and also grief plus trauma so unexpected death unexpected difficulty can also add a layer of trauma which compounds and complicates our grief and so we walked through three years of having counseling uh, walking through post-traumatic stress disorder uh, Carol my wife coming out with um, with Emmy, with a chronic fatigue syndrome, um, all sorts of uh, kind of psychological stuff that we had to work through, emotional things, pressure in marriage. It was tough. Now, I know that people go through many, many tougher experiences than ours, but it was a tough moment in our life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I remember the final straw was when we went on holiday to Spain and within five minutes of arriving, Carol fell down the steps, the marble steps of the hotel, and she broke her arm in two places. And it was like, it was like the final, final straw. And when I got home from that holiday, I, I remember going for a walk and I was like, God, how long is this season of pressure going to last? Like, how long have we got to endure one thing after another, after another, after another? And... Instantly, the Holy Spirit said to me, it's going to last three years, but this is not about you. It's about the nation and it's about the church. Now, my instant question to the Lord was, is that three additional years or are my three years nearly up? And I felt the Father say for you, it's the three years are nearly up. But for the church and for the nation, it's only just beginning. And that was a sobering moment as I heard those words. And here's the reality. So often we become a message before we give a message. 
We walk through trials with the Lord. We season with him during those valley moments of our life. And God puts things in us in those seasons that we then have to give away to others. Uh, The Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 1. He says the comfort that we ourselves received, we were able to comfort others. And that's what happens. There's a transaction happens in the life of believers when we walk with God in trials. He puts stuff in us that actually is not just for us. It's for other people. It's to give away. He's producing something in us. Paul in Romans says, listen, uh, perseverance and character and suffering, these things produce hope. And hope does not disappoint. And that's the amazing thing about God. No matter what circumstance we walk through, we know that he works all things together for our good. He produces hope in us and it's hope for other people to give away. And so I want to read just a very familiar story. And it's in uh, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter three, where Jesus finds himself in the wilderness. And we're going to learn a few lessons about having victory in the wilderness seasons. So here's what we read. Luke three and verse one. Actually, this is, yeah, Luke 3 verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Understatement. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said, I'll give you all their authority and splendor because it's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Isn't it interesting how well the devil knows the Bible? But Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. But Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. Here's point number one. Just because something is difficult doesn't mean that God has left you. This is an interesting story because actually Luke says the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness everything had been going really well he's just been baptized in the jordan by his cousin john the baptist he's heard the father's voice saying this is my son and with him i'm well pleased and then the very next thing that happens is that the spirit leads jesus into the wilderness into a place of difficulty now here's the truth we can end up in the wilderness for all sorts of different complex reasons Sometimes it's the enemy, sometimes it's our own stupidity, sometimes it's just a plain mystery, but sometimes it's a divine conspiracy. Sometimes, actually, God leads us into difficult places because he wants to do something in us. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that 
COVID-19 and coronavirus and shutdowns and lockdowns and increased deaths. I'm not saying that they are anything to do with God. I don't believe that God sends disasters. I believe he fixes them. But God can use anything. He can use any circumstance of our life, no matter how we've got to the difficulty, to the wilderness. Sometimes it's actually God at work. Just because something's difficult doesn't mean that God has left the building. And uh, I suggest to you that sometimes before we start rebuking the enemy, we need to pause and ask the father a question and say, Father, what are you doing in this season? What are you doing in this season? What is it that you want to accomplish? Because God works all things together for our good. So in a time of shutdown and coronavirus, we should be asking this question, Father, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing in the church? What are you doing in me? What are you producing in me that actually is going to transform both me and those around me? And of course, the the cross is the ultimate demonstration of this truth, that in a moment that seemed disastrous, in the moment of Jesus' greatest weakness, in the moment where he was stripped of his dignity, of his strength, of his clothing, of his friendships, of his protection, and he is hanging on a cross. Yet actually this moment of weakness was the moment where the Father was at work. The Father was redeeming mankind in a moment of wilderness and apparent weakness. I love Psalm 22, which just prophetically speaks of what happens at the cross. And that psalm starts in this way, and the, the very words that Jesus quotes on the cross. We read, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest. That sounds like wilderness talk. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? And these are the words that Jesus cries out on the cross. And I would suggest to you that the reason that he used those words is often very, very misunderstood. People took that cry for centuries after as a sign that the father had left Jesus. That the father had abandoned Jesus on the cross. My God, where are you? Where are you? It sounds on surface value, on face value, like it's a cry of abandonment. God, where have you gone? And that so often is our cry in moments of difficulty. God, where are you? But I would suggest to you that there is something much deeper going on and a deeper reason why Jesus quotes the first line of Psalm 22. And the reason is this. In uh, Jewish custom and history, you would only have to say the first line of a song for you to think about the whole rest of the song. So, uh, you know, if I came to you and I said, um, I don't know, Scalamouche, Scalamouche, will you do the Fandango? I don't have to quote all the lines of Bohemian Rhapsody for you immediately to think about the whole of the song. And Jesus here is doing the same thing. He is quoting the line of a key messianic psalm, Psalm 22, and he is quoting the first line. Why? Because he wants you to think about the rest of the message in Psalm 22. 
And so let me read you the rest of Psalm 22, the end of Psalm 22, which says this. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all the families of the nations will bow down before him for dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Jesus' cry on the cross was actually a cry of victory. It it wasn't a cry of abandonment or despair. It actually was a cry of, God, you've forsaken me, but you will vindicate me. All the nations of the earth will hear about this moment and it will be redeemed by the Lord. And people will declare that his righteousness, that God has done it. Psalm 22 is actually a psalm of victory. It's a psalm of victory. See, what appeared a tragedy, actually God was at work. So just because something is difficult doesn't mean that God has left us or left you. God is close. In fact, it says he is close to the brokenhearted. He's near to those who are afraid. He comes to our aid in moments of distress and difficulty. He's a father who's able to bring fruit out of the wilderness. And you see, being a Christian is not a route to a trouble-free life, but it is a route to walk with someone who turns every trouble into a triumph if we will stay close to him. And so in this season, remember, things are difficult right now and there's panic and there's fear, but God is at work. And so ask him the question, Father, what are you doing in this season? Second truth from this passage is this, is that there are no victories without battles. Now, it's important to say that a whole load of crummy stuff happens that God has nothing to do with. He didn't orchestrate, he didn't start, he didn't design. Things happen in life that are just the result of, of evil or stupidity or calamity that God has nothing to do with. But the truth is that sometimes God leads you into the wilderness so that you can bring forth victory. He leads you to dark places so that you can transform them into places of light and hope and love. The truth is there would be no VE day without D-Day. You know, you don't get to give a message unless you walk through some mess. You don't get a testimony unless you've walked through some tests. There's no advance without sacrifice. So sometimes in order to bring victory, God leads us deliberately into the darkest places so that we can bring forth fruit. And the truth is that what we find when we hit moments of difficulty is that God has already equipped us to win once we get there. This is what it says in Psalm 78 about the men of Ephraim. It says the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had showed them. This is a tragic picture of the the men of Ephraim who had all the armour and all the weapons they needed to win. And yet they turned back on the day of battle. It's a tragic, tragic picture 
of so many people in moments of crisis where they throw away their confidence, they throw away all that they've learned about God and they just go into full-blown panic. Listen, stand your ground. Remember, God has armed you. He has equipped you. He has given you the tools that you need to bring victory out of difficult places. All that you've learned about God and about yourself in the last season is for this season that you're currently in and that I am currently in. In a moment of shutting and panic and fear in the nation, we have a message of hope. There's a God who's on the throne. There's a God who's in charge. There's a God who turns all things for our good if we trust him. There's a God who comforts the brokenhearted, who comes to those who are mourning. There's a God who looks out for the vulnerable and the poor and the lonely and the elderly. There's a God who cares about these things. God has given you what you need in the time of wilderness. You know, Jesus had all that he needed in the wilderness to bring forth victory. And he's given you the same. I remember a time where uh, we had decided as a family to just give some money away. And God had spoken a very specific sum of money. And we had got the cash out of the bank and we were all excited. And the next day we were going to go and deliver this gift to someone. And then we discovered on returning home that we'd locked ourselves out of our house <clears throat> and no one had a spare key. And in the end, we had to call the locksmith to come out and it cost us almost exactly the same amount for the locksmith that we just drawn out of the bank to give away to someone else. And literally we handed the cash over to the locksmith to pay for the work that he'd just done. And it was one of those, oh no, what do we do now? And, you know, we weren't flush with cash by any means. And, of course, the temptation in those moments of unforeseen difficulty is that you think, oh, we better just tighten our belts. We can't give the money now because we've just given it away to the locksmith. You know, let's just pause our generosity and wait till our circumstances change. But actually, we really felt God speak to us and say, no, no, no. This moment of crisis is the very moment to extend generosity. Trust me. Trust me, Phil, that I'll provide for you. And so we made the decision on that occasion that, well, let's just go and draw out some more money, the same amount, and let's just give it away. And we're just going to trust God. And we're just going to heap burning coals on the enemy who has tried to trap us in crisis and change us and change our behavior. But actually, we're going to resist that and we're going to bring some victory. We're going to bring a testimony out of a test by trusting God. And I tell you, God was so faithful. We got more back besides through generosity. You can never outgive God. So you're in difficulty, but God wants to bring forth victory. Next thing we learned from this passage is that resistance actually reveals strength. Resistance reveals strength. And I'll suggest to you that wilderness seasons are not just about exposing weaknesses in you, but they're about revealing your strengths. Now, of course, someone once said this, that adversity introduces a man to himself, and that is true. When you walk through difficulty, it will uncover any holes in your thinking, any orphan-heartedness in here. Difficulty can expose your weakness, for sure. You know, in this season, there are some weaknesses in me and my thinking that are being exposed. I'm having to deal with some things in here. You know, one of those right now is there are lots of guys in our team at church 
who I would say are much better in a time of crisis than I am. They have strong commanding leadership gifts. They're very technically able. Uh, they're brilliant at creating new structures and sorting out online church and communication. And they're just, they're doing such a great job. But those things are not necessarily my skills. And so what this season is revealing in me is a bit of an orphan-hearted mentality of, oh, you're not really needed and your gifts aren't as good as theirs and a bit of comparison. So weakness is exposed in times of wilderness, but also God reveals strength. What God was doing in Jesus in the wilderness was actually showing him who he really was. It was bringing forth the treasure and the strength that was within him. Resistance reveals strength. And uh, just before the lockdown, probably six months before, I had started for the first time in my life to really seriously go to the gym and kind of work out and lift weights and uh, try and just strengthen my body. And one of the things that I have been learning is that resistance increases strength. You know, unless you actually push a weight that is just almost slightly too heavy for you to lift, uh, you know, if you if you just always stay in your comfort zone and, you know, you're happily lifting your weight and you can do it really easily, you're not going to build any strength over the long haul. You've got to push something that takes exertion and effort before you actually start to feel it in your body. Resistance produces strength and it's the same spiritually. When you walk with God through times of challenge, it's actually revealing and producing strength in you. Jesus was shown for who he really was. And there is something to get from the Lord in wilderness times that you can't get in any other moment. You know, James 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that's challenging. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith, the resistance, the pushing the bar, produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, expect to come out of a difficult season with a spiritual upgrade. Expect to come out having your strength as a child of God revealed. It's amazing in this season how I'm seeing believers just step onto the front line of helping and caring for people and the natural compassion, the, the natural heart to serve others is just coming out in beautiful ways in this season. You know, we, we run a night shelter for the homeless. The homeless are some of the most vulnerable people in this season. You know, where do they go to self-isolate? And we have run a homeless shelter for over 35 years. It's been open every single night for 35 years, round the clock, every single year. And our absolute uh, determination is that it will not shut in this season. And so my own daughter has just volunteered in this season to go and serve at the night shelter and to do night shifts and help those who are um, addicts or rough sleepers. And what's happening in a time of resistance and difficulty is that the strength that's within is being put on display. God is putting his people on display and it's so beautiful. There are upgrades in this season if we will walk with the Lord. And, you know, I, I remember teaching my own kids how to ride 
a bike and when you're a parent teaching your kids to ride a bike you feel like a complete bully you feel like a complete uh dictator because you know they fall off their bike and they're like no no get back on that bike and try again but daddy my leg's bleeding no 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 get back on that bike and try again you can do it we're not going to stop until you get it and you know, eventually your child starts to ride the bike without assistance and without falling off. And you're like, Daddy, I gotta ride my bike. And you know, what got them to that place, what produced something in them was a bit of resistance. What was a, a bit of, come on, keep going, keep going. Because if you do, something good's gonna come out. And I wanna encourage you in this season to just keep on going to keep believing in the Lord, to trust him, because resistance is going to reveal strength. And then lastly, God only gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. Sometimes I am convinced that God allows trials because it's only humble dependence that leads to the outpouring of grace. You know, if you live in self-reliance, if I live in self-reliance, which the Bible just calls pride, living on your own resources, when you live there, you actually don't attract the grace of God. Because the grace of God is given to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. You know, the meek will inherit the earth. It's the meek that will inherit earth, not the proud. And there is something about walking through trials and seasons of difficulty that just connects you to your own need of God. You know, I'm feeling my own need of God right now. You know, just heard a, a friend of mine uh, who lives in Bedford is very, very sick with coronavirus. And, you know, I, I can't visit him. Uh, but what I can do is pray. It's not much I can do in my own strength, actually. But what I can do is pray. And I can humbly get on my knees and say, Father... Would you please come and save? Would you please come and save? Because humility attracts the grace of God onto the page of our lives. And that's why I believe so often the history and the story of the church is that the church does well in a time of crisis and not so well in a time of affluence. And one of the things I'm convinced that God is teaching the church in this season, yours and ours, is that humility will draw grace. The time of crisis actually is the moment where we're going to see God move and God work in unprecedented ways. You know, we did our online service last Sunday. We did three services. Uh, we had around about a thousand people come. Uh, and just in the first service alone, 16 people indicated that they were making a response for the first time to the gospel. We saw two healings in an online chat room as we prayed for people. One person's knee and another lady's neck were instantly healed as we just typed in prayers on a chat room. And I tell you, this is a season where God is at work, where God is doing stuff. And so I would encourage you just to humbly believe God, to pray, to seek his face and draw his grace onto the page of your life. And here's the conclusion to the story of Jesus in the wilderness. Luke writes this, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. Revival starts to break out across Galilee in all the villages and towns 
after the wilderness moment. Something happens, there's a transaction in the moment of difficulty that causes the landscape to completely change when Jesus comes out of the deserts. And when I felt God say to me, Phil, your season of difficulty is going to last three years, but this is not about you. It's about the church and it's about the nation. I believe that God's heart, God's intention in a season of difficulty is that he is going to bring forth a revived church, a renewed people and a nation that is hungry for God, a nation that is spiritually desperate for answers outside of medics and scientists and governments are people that are again humbled and look to God as their king and my prayer for you and for me is that as we come out the other side of this season is that we see the power of God spread out through our towns and our villages and that's my prayer for Ashford it's my prayer for you guys it's our prayer for Bedford as well and so why don't we just finish by calling on the Lord for that together Father, I thank you that you are at work in our nation right now and across the nations of the world. Lord, we know that you are the God who can work all things together for our good. And so we just join our prayers with believers all over the world right now. And we humbly ask you to pour out your spirit, to come and save, to have mercy, to pour out compassion Father, we pray for the most broken, the most vulnerable right now. And we ask you, would you come, shatter their fears and would you produce hope? Father, I pray for each of us that we would be the kind of neighbours that go the extra mile. We would be the kind of church that shines brightest in the dark places. God, I ask you that out of our moment of being shut in with the Lord, that you would do remarkable things in us and through us. Father, for any of us right now who are walking through a wilderness moment, who are in fear, who are sick, who are, uh, are, are challenged, just even in our own mental health, I just speak healing in the name of Jesus. If you're sick in your body, I say be healed in the name of Jesus. If you're in fear right now, I command fear to go in the name of Jesus. And I pray that out of this season, you would produce more than we could ask or imagine. And we ask this for your glory, King Jesus. Amen. Guys, thanks for watching. God bless you. Hope to see you in person at some point uh, in the next year ahead. But uh, thank you for uh, listening and God bless you and keep going for it. Amen.